Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org radio.org. Now, here's our show today. The prophet Jeremiah found himself in a difficult, almost impossible situation. On one hand, he himself was part of the nation of Israel, a nation that had rebelled against the Lord, and as a result was suffering under the hand of Jehovah's discipline and chastisement. Therefore, Jeremiah was suffering along with all his countrymen. Yet Jeremiah was unique in that he had faithfully spoken Jehovah's word to Israel, pointing out their unfaithfulness and warning them to turn back to the God who had so marvelously brought them into the good land. But this faithful speaking by Jeremiah was rejected by Israel and caused them to hate him and even further persecute him. So it's not surprising to hear this man of God crying out in anguish to the one person who would surely sympathize with him his own mother. In chapter 15, the prophet says, Woe is me, my mother, because you bore me, a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole land. I have not lent with interest, nor have they lent to me, yet everyone curses me. But before his mother could speak a comforting word, Jehovah intervenes, and in the discourse that follows, we see that Jeremiah had a different view from Jehovah regarding the way that the Lord was dealing with his people, Israel. All of this for a backdrop that brings us to a portion of Jeremiah that I think will be somewhat familiar to our listeners and joining us for this fellowship today, Bill Lawson. Bill, really where we're headed today is chapter 18 and a portion of the word that reveals that the Lord himself is the potter and the people are the clay. This is a thought that shouldn't be that new to us uh, New Testament believers, should it? Right, especially eventually we'll get into a little bit into Paul in Romans chapter 9 to see where Paul could have the knowledge of the book of Jeremiah and use it when writing to the Romans. Well, as I said, we're really in chapter 18, but we wanted to come back and look at this portion in chapter 15, and actually this whole section, 15, 16, and 17, because this sets a background that is important to really understand the interaction here, doesn't it? Right. Uh, no doubt, if we don't know and get into the context of chapters 15 through 17, it's hard for us to jump right into 18 and understand what is Jehovah talking about, about a potter and the pottery. It's very hard to enter into that thought. But we have uh, Jeremiah, who had been really one with the Lord. You know, early on we saw that he was called, even in his mother's womb, he was called to be a prophet, really to be Jehovah's mouth 
and his spokesman, really to bring his word to the nation of Israel. And yet here in this one instance, we see that there was a little difference between the Lord's view and Jeremiah's view. And the Lord takes that occasion to demonstrate to him why he has the full authority to have the shaping power over this lump of clay, which is the analogy that he uses of his people. Uh, Probably in today's terms, we could say they were a little bit not on the same page, but eventually, uh, because of that, Jehovah used that to reveal himself in a marvelous way to Jeremiah. Okay, let's look at a couple of these verses at the beginning of 18, where this thought about the potter and the clay is introduced. The word which came to Jeremiah from Jehovah saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and he was there doing work at his wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. So he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. A metaphor here that I think now will have some significance and not be lost on us as we uh, join Witness Lee for this first portion. This message is on Jehovah as the potter, and Israel the pottery. Jehovah, the one we enjoy, is a potter. And we, his children people, are just the pottery in his hand. Our God has the absolute right over us. He can do everything as he likes over us. A potter has the full right to do anything in any way to the pottery. I do believe some thought was there within uh, Jeremiah, thinking, ah, God is too much. God is too much to judge his people to such extent. You know, in the former section, in that conversation, Somewhat, the two parties argued. Jeremiah wouldn't argue with God directly, but he expressed his kind of thought of argument. Mother, woe is to me. What is this? I tell you, within Jeremiah, something there, something different from God's thought. This is why God right away came in to argue with him. In the argument, there is the feeling within Jeremiah that Jeremiah was not so agreeable with God's severe judgment over his people. So, following the former section, he put out this section to tell us God is absolute free to do anything to his people as he likes. He has a full right, just like the potter has a full right over the pottery. Let's talk about this thought again. We touched on it uh, in the introduction. We just heard Witness Lee present it now, and I think it's more clear. But, you know, Jeremiah probably had some justification to feel like, you know, I've been faithful here. I've been up close seeing uh, Israel. I think maybe the Lord has gone too far in his judgment. But uh, the Lord kind of intervenes to use this opportunity to demonstrate a much larger point in principle, doesn't he? 
Right, Chris. Definitely there's a discrepancy here between uh, Jehovah and Jeremiah's feeling about how Jehovah is dealing with his people because Jeremiah himself is a part of Israel. So Jeremiah is also bearing the brunt of that chastisement and severe speaking. So here, based on that kind of context, Mm -hmm. when we go into chapter 18 about the potter and the vessels, you can see the Lord is trying to make it clear to Jeremiah that things are not quite the way that Jeremiah sees them to be. So the Lord brings in this kind of illustration of the uh, potter and the vessel to show that there's an angle, I would say, Chris, Mm -hmm. that Jeremiah did not see. And when the Lord Jehovah unveiled that matter of the potter and the pottery, the Lord's absolute right over us, over the clay, the Lord's sovereignty, I think that really opened Jeremiah's eyes. And, you know, uh, maybe we've never done any pottery or maybe we had a class in school where, uh, you know, we were given a piece of clay and we mold something, we create something, we form something. And if we don't like it, it's our clay. We can just, you know, roll it up again into a ball and start afresh. And in a sense, that's what Jehovah was uh, determining to do here with his people, wasn't it? Right. Uh, A number of years ago, I was in uh, Newton, Massachusetts, and I went into a pottery shop and they had some uh, wheels and some workmen there in the back. So I got some, uh, you know, firsthand view of how it works. And of course, with us, it seems like there's no problem. The wheel is spinning, the pottery is spinning, but we don't many times consider ourselves like cold, hard pottery in the Lord's hands because we consider ourselves as dignified human beings (laughs) that how could even the Lord have a right to do whatever he wants with us. But that's the kind of thought that Jehovah wanted to unveil to Jeremiah, that the Lord has absolute right over us and he can do whatever he wants to do with us. Listen to verse 6, Bill, uh, now in this light. Am I not able to do with you, O house of Israel, as this potter does? In other words, as the potter does with the clump of clay, whatever he wants, declares Jehovah, indeed, as the clay is in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. And Bill, you mentioned earlier that this thought is not unique to the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul speaks right along the same line. Surely he was uh, probably considering Jeremiah 18 when he said in Romans 9, verse 20 and 21, O man, who are you who answer back to God? Shall the thing molded say to him who molded it, Why did you make me thus? Or does not the potter have authority over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So the same thought, I would say somewhat magnified by the apostle in the New Testament. Right. Let's pick up Witness Lee's fellowship on this point. Jehovah, he is a sovereign potter. He has a whole right over his pottery. The potter working and reworking the pottery into another vessel, as it seems good for him to make. And this indicates he has a full right. This thought is not only here in Jeremiah 18 to 20, by Apostle Paul, when he wrote Romans 9. I would even think probably he put Jeremiah 18 and 20 in front of him. In Romans 9, Paul wrote something concerning his selection, and his selection is according to his absolute right. He likes this piece, he chooses it. He does like it, he throws it away, even he breaks it. Jehovah, as the sovereign potter, 
being able to do with the house of Israel. Being able means being free to do. Jeremiah, I have the freedom. I am able. Don't stop me. I am free to uh, do with the house of Israel who are my pottery. As the clay in his hand, in uh, changeable ways, according to Israel's condition. I can do this way, I can do that way, I can punish him, and I can exalt him in any way. Whatever way fits in, I'll take it. You know, this is Jehovah's right answer to Jeremiah. To curl up Jeremiah's thought, Jeremiah, why I punish Israel so severely? Look at Israel's condition. If you look at her condition, you would agree with me. Just like the naughty boy, the naughty boy needs some spanking. You know, sometimes they are couple, they argue. The father is so severe and the mother is so soft, you know. When the father spanks the boy, mostly the mother feels painful, would not agree. Then the father would argue with the mother. Look at this boy. Look at this boy. How naughty he is. That is worthwhile of some spanking. So I did it reasonably. So Israel was really a naughty child. Bill, you have to chuckle listening to that. You know, we raised a couple of boys, and I remember those days. I would spank the boys, but it was the mother that felt the pain, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's pick up Paul's thought here. I'm intrigued by where Paul went with this, uh, and he mentioned the fact that vessels unto honor and vessels unto dishonor. Help us with this thought. Of course, Chris, Paul, as Saul, was raised under the feet of Gamaliel, so he knew the scriptures, he knew the Old Testament law, so he was very familiar with Jeremiah. And no doubt, in, under the divine inspiration, he realized, as he was writing to the Roman believers, mm-hmm. in chapter 9, he picked up his thoughts from Jeremiah 18 about the vessels. His intention there to the Romans is to show the Roman believers that God is altogether sovereign. There's a selection process. God is a God of selection. He has a particular selection process, and he's a God. He has a particular calling, and he's a God of mercy. And uh, thirdly, I would say God is a God of sovereignty. He's a sovereign God. So there in Romans chapter 9, he mentions three kinds of vessels. He talks about, first of all, vessels of mercy, showing that all human beings created by God as vessels are just under God's mercy. Mm -hmm. It's like the potter having the authority over the clay to mold it in any way he wants. So you have those believers who receive the Lord, they are become vessels of mercy. Then as we grow in the Lord, as we mature in the Lord's life, and as we're filled as vessels with the Lord as our content, then we become vessels unto honor, Uh showing that the most honorable people on the earth today are those who are filled with Christ and who are one with the Lord. Then eventually, after a long process of transformation in the Christian life, we can even become vessels unto glory, and that means we become the full expression of God. So Paul really took that thought there in Jeremiah 18. He probably expanded, no doubt, a little bit to show that the Lord and his sovereignty has the absolute right over us. He can do whatever he wants with us. When we put this into the um, framework of Jeremiah, going back even to chapter 2 in that key verse where, uh, you know, the Lord revealed himself as the fountain of living waters, that Israel would have been a vessel to contain this honorable and even glorious content 
but they rejected. And so uh, as vessels, they had become fully dishonored by now. So really the thought is very much the same. The punishment or the chastisement is not just, you know, for the sake of punishment, but really to bring them back that they could return to him in that kind of a loving way and experience him as this divine content, which would have sanctified their vessels once again. Right. So in a sense, the like you said, the fountain of living waters, that's just the very content. Of course, we know that refers to the riches of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's the content that we want to be filled with as vessels. Well, our final section today, Bill, brings us to this great dilemma. We mentioned it briefly. Let's come back to it a little bit, set it up once again. Here is Jeremiah as a member of the household of Israel. Uh, he is suffering their punishment just by virtue that he's identified with and part of the household of Israel. And they were being chastised and disciplined, and he was experiencing that along with the rest of his family members. But as a faithful one who had spoken Jehovah's word faithfully, he also is uh, you know, being rejected and persecuted by Israel. And in addition to this, Jehovah is determined to continue his chastisement. So he is left in a very, very difficult situation. He comes back to this thought he raised with his mother in chapter 15. In chapter 20, he says, Cursed be the day on which I was born. Let not the day be blessed on which my mother bore me. Why is this? Did I come out from the womb to see trouble and sorrow that my days may be spent in shame? Well, we will see that Jeremiah not alone in being a servant of God, a faithful one who has had such a suffering. Here's Witness Lee again. Why? Jeremiah would curse his birthday because he was in a dilemma. This is the main thing of this portion of the word. A dilemma is here. And this dilemma forces Jeremiah to curse himself. That means to curse his birthday. Okay, the dilemma in which Jeremiah was forced in is of three factors. Number one, God's determination. God insisting to punish, to judge Israel so strongly. Number two, Israel, on the one hand, was evil, and on the other hand, still stiff-necked, would not listen to Jeremiah's word. Rather, they would just persecute Jeremiah. So here you have the second factor and the third factor. The second factor is Israel was evil. That's worthwhile of God's punishment. And third factor is that they were still so stiff-necked and persecuted Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was under these three factors. He has no way to go. With the uh, world people, uh, everyone in such a dilemma would uh, commit suicide. But he knew a child of God should not commit suicide. So the best way is just to curse the birthday of himself. God is insisting to punish, and Israel was that evil, yet they would not be subdued. Rather, they persecuted the mouthpiece of God. To speak for God is not an easy thing. God always insists what to speak. If we will go along, we will offend people. So the good servants for his speaking would be always in a dilemma. Bill seems uh, so paradoxical, yet if we study history, even in the Bible and the history of God's people since the days the Bible was completed, 
it has been this way, hasn't it? Those who really are faithful to bring to God's people the reality, the truth that God has revealed in his word and has revealed to them almost inevitably have a kind of a suffering associated with that, don't they? Right. It's very interesting, uh, Chris. Brother Lee uses this word a lot, dilemma. Of course, we all have some ideas of dilemma, but I don't think in our daily life we really understand the dilemma that Jeremiah was in, because many <laughs> times we have a dilemma with human beings, but here Jeremiah had a dilemma, with not with just other human beings. Jeremiah had a dilemma with God himself. So I think when Brother Lee accurately portrays the word dilemma, I think it's very, very true that in all the ages of church history, those that have been faithful to speak for the Lord, they are always in a dilemma because and usually in those situations, it's not very positive. And you look at the situation here, Israel is a mess. They're rebellious. They're sinful. They're wicked. They're in idolatry. Yeah. It's just a mess. So the Lord has to come in and judge, chastise, and deal with them. And he uses Jeremiah as a mouthpiece to do this. And Jeremiah, in a sense, is associated with the children of Israel because he's one of the nation of Israel. So in a sense, he's getting it, in a sense, <laughs> on God's side. He's taking it from God's severe rebuking, yet if he's faithful to speak what the Lord Jehovah told him to speak, then he's getting persecuted from the house of Israel side. He was thrown into a pit. He was mocked. You know, he was criticized. They almost put him to death. So he was really in a dilemma. On the divine side, it was difficult in his situation with the Lord. On the human side, he was persecuted by the nation of Israel. So many times, those who are faithful to the Lord to speak, they fall into that situation. So you can really understand, at a certain point, Jeremiah probably just threw his hands up in the air and said, okay, well, I can't curse God. He can't do that because he's (laughs) speaking for God. Then he says, well, if I curse Israel, I can't do that because I'm one of the Israelites. But eventually he just realized the only thing he could curse is himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cursing his birthday. Right. And there, in a sense, by cursing himself, he becomes the potter in that situation because he doesn't have any more authority than to just to curse himself. So it's quite interesting. It is interesting, but I appreciated your reinforcing the point he made right at the end here. Those who are faithful, the good servants for his speaking, will always find themselves ultimately in such a dilemma. It just seems like in whatever age we are in, uh, there are those sort of disdain the popular way, disdain the easy way, the common way, Mm -hmm. uh, the way that would build a following. And they remain very true and faithful and a kind of a clarion for their age. And uh, to some degree, we carry this kind of heritage in this ministry, don't we? Right. I was looking to Chris, in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, and Paul's word even to Timothy there, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but suffer evil with the gospel. So even there, Paul and Timothy, as spokesmen for the Lord, even in the New Testament age, dealing with the believers, they also were in a dilemma. Very much so. Well, Bill, our time is up. It's been, uh, you know, another one of those programs in Jeremiah, one of those portions in Jeremiah, not altogether positive, but it seems like there's a nugget of God's economy page by page uh, when it's in the hands of this ministry. And so uh, we're appreciative that you could be here and help us through this portion. I got a lot out of it today. Very good. Thank you, Bill. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. We'd like to invite you to contact us. Uh, we have the printed live study messages, many other resources here. And if you'd like to find out about any of those things, please call us toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. 
Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find more about Witness Lee, these life study messages, or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.